DW Africa Link. It's a new week with great stories ahead. Welcome to DW's Africa Link program. I'm Isaac Mugadi. And I'm Josie Mahachi. A big welcome from me too. We encourage you as usual to share your thoughts on the stories that we are covering on our Facebook page, DW Africa. We also appreciate everyone who's tuned in through all our partner stations across the continent. Remember, you can also catch Africa Link on Spotify. Coming up, Joseph Bokai is sworn in as Liberia's president following his election victory over former football star George Ware. However, there are concerns about his health. Well, it's actually not news that um, Joe Bokai has a heart condition and he's wearing a pacemaker. Mm-hmm. The entire public knows about it. Okay, some of you have been sending comments on Liberia. Ambassador George Lombe says Liberians have full trust in Mr. Boykai for his integrity and his dedicated services for the past 42 years to our country. We know he will set our country on the right path. We also have some dose of Afghan tournament, but first things first, and that's the world news in brief. DW News. Welcome to the news. My name is Jen Nyingi. Residents in Gaza have been describing what they call the worst Israeli attacks since the start of invasion. Israel's military seeking to destroy Hamas, which many countries classify as a terrorist organization. Strikes on the city of Han Yunis have been carried out from land, sea and air. Israeli tanks have moved towards two hospitals near the city, cutting many people off from treatment. Liberia's new president, Joseph Buakai, failed to reach the end of his inauguration speech as he appeared to almost pass out and had to be held up at a ceremony in the capital, Monrovia. He had already spoken for about 30 minutes when it came clear that he was he was having difficulty talking. The 79-year-old was sworn in as Liberia's oldest president and there has been rumors about his poor health. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has ended his bid for the Republican nomination for President of the United States. DeSantis was endorsed or endorsed former President Donald Trump. Trump faces just one last challenger, Nikki Haley, to run against President Joe Biden in November. But who between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley has the best chances of running against Biden? Here is DW's Janelle Domalon in the state of New Hampshire. I think this is a landslide for uh, Donald Trump. I mean, we were speculating that maybe he would get up to 54, 55 percent. 51 percent is a strong showing uh, in a state that is predominantly white, predominantly agricultural, predominantly Christian, uh, predominantly even well, has a large part of an evangelical Christian vote to whom Donald Trump's message uh, appeals very strongly, a state in which 60 percent believe, Republicans believe that, in fact, the uh, former president won the 2020 election. So they believe his big lie. So this all fell in line for Donald Trump. This news is coming to you from DW in Bonn, Germany. Police in Kenya have recovered a head believed to be that of a 20-year-old student who was murdered and dismembered in the capital, Nairobi, earlier this month. The mutilated remains of Rita Waini were discovered disposed in a trash bag at a short-term rental apartment on the 14th January, but her head, along with her phone and other personal items, were missing. Waini's family said the killer demanded a ransom of about $3,000 to release her, even after 
he had killed her. And Chinese state media say a landslide has buried dozens of people, killing at least eight people in the southwestern province of Yunnan. Authorities have evacuated hundreds from the area where temperatures are below freezing. Landslides are common in Yunnan around its steep mountain ranges. For more news and information, head on to our website dw.com forward slash Africa. My name is Jen Nyingi. And you're listening to Africa Link as usual broadcast from Monday up to Friday. Once again, my name is Isaac Mugabe. And mine is Josie Mahachi. You can always be part of the show by sending your comments on our Facebook page, DW Africa. We also appreciate everyone who's tuned in through all our partner stations across the continent. Just a reminder as well, you can also catch Africa Link every day on Spotify. We start the show with the big story of the day, and it's a big day in Liberia. Joseph Bokai has been sworn in as the president following his election victory over former football star George Weah with the challenge of tackling poverty and corruption. The 79-year-old narrowly beat the former Ballon d'Or winner Weah in November's runoff poll with 50% of the votes to 49%. Imagine, Joseph, that short but, margin. Just a short margin. Now, mm. Bokai was sworn in for a six-year term during a ceremony in Parliament in the capital, Monrovia, in the presence of several foreign leaders and diplomatic delegations. Bokai has 40 years of political experience already behind him. Let's bring in now our very own Buba Jalo to tell us about the the victory, the conceding by Georgia, starting with, of course, the health of the new president. Well, it's actually not news that um, Joe Boakai has a heart condition and is wearing a pacemaker. Mm-hmm. That the entire public knows about it. But like his, um, his camp has been saying that he's quite fit, he's mm. quite he- healthy, even though there are these concerns, so these concerns have been there, that he's not so physically fit to uh, be the next president of Liberia. It's one of the reasons why he, ch- he chose a very, very healthy, young um, person as his deputy, who is 45 years old. Okay, now... He replaced George Weah, who won praise for conceding and promoting a non-violent transition in a region marred by coast, right? This is quite unprecedented in a region that is synonymous with instability and coast, isn't it? It is. There is quite a lot going on right now in West Africa, especially in the ECOWAS region, mm. uh, in Mali, Burkina Faso, um, Guinea, not so much. I mean, only a few ha- handful of countries in the West West Africa region mm-hmm. that are still continuing in a democratic process. Uh, Sierra Leone, Liberia, the Gambia, if you like. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, praises for George Weah for conceding, uh, mm-hmm. but you also have to look back in Sierra Leone. They've had um, two elections where power changed hands twice. Mm-hmm. One party, yeah, mm-hmm. to the next, and then back to this party. So um, it's not just all an- doom and gloom in the subway <laughs> okay. region. Uh, yeah. So there's, uh, there's a bit of light there. Okay, I stand to be corrected on that. And uh, so it means signs were that George Weah we don't cling to power. Is that what you mean? I think um, George Weah came into power when he was an outsider. He's a political outsider. He's mm. never been a politician before. He's never lived that long in Liberia anyways. When, you know, when he was in his heydays, even after he retired from football, he was living abroad in Europe until he finally decided to, to go back home. Mm. When he did, he decided to go into politics and he became 
he finally became president. I did cover that election. I was there talking to people. The whole country was mm. excited to see a young man like him, someone who had this international connection. They just thought miracle was going to happen. Mm. But what they forgot that to make policies in Africa, you have to be a politician. Mm-hmm. Where lack this knowledge and. Um, to be honest, he's also not educated. He dropped out of high school oh. when uh, before he became president. So you could see that there is a lot he didn't understand about policy making that results to development. Development as a leader in a country, it's not like you come and start building houses and fixing mm. roads. You make policies, and those politics, those policies lead to development. And this is where, in my opinion. Mm. This is the knowledge that we are lacked. It was a deficit. Uh, fair enough. Now, there's something that caught my attention, and it's a quote. And you, as someone who has been there to Liberia, who interviewed almost all these politicians, Jojo has said, quote unquote, You are not going to drag me to politics until I reach 90 years. I became a president. So I said, Thank you, Liberians, that I became a president, whether it was one time or 50 times, but I can guarantee you that it's one time. End of the quote. So, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that statement? I, I found I it know. intriguing. I did speak to uh, uh, George Weah before mm. he became president of Liberia. This was during the campaigns, and I we also spoke to uh, current president Joe um, uh, Joe and I also did speak to Prince Johnson, who is mm. the third most uh, popular candidate in the Liberia. Kingmaker. The kingmaker, so to mm. say. I'll get into that a little bit. <laughs> okay. But I knew that once George Weah saw. What was happening in politics, you know, you have to understand, politics in Liberia is messy. Mm. It's absolute messy. You know, it's not like, you know, the usual thing, there's just certain rules that you respect. But, you know, everyone is just trying to expose and expose and so they become something else. And you have to understand there's a power play going on in Liberia. Power play in the sense that you have someone who's the third most popular person in Liberia, Prince Johnson. Mm. This used to be he used to be a rebel commander. He's responsible for the death of Samuel Kedo. Mm. Kedo was killed in front of a camera mm. live on TV. Yes. And he was forced to I've eat watched his own that gruesome video. Exactly. It's a very mm. gruesome image. And this is a guy who later repented and said, Oh, that particular moment made him fear God and then he became godly and he became a pastor Ooh. and he repented according to him. Mm. And now he became a politician and he's a member of parliament. But he is popular, especially in the Nimba Nimba County. Nimba yes, the is the second most populous uh, populous uh, counties of Liberia, mm. apart from the Monrovia um, regions. As a result, he's called a kingmaker, even though he's not able to become president. Mm. Now he is able to make sure that whenever he supports you, you become that president. You saw okay. he supported George Weah in the last elections, and. George Weah became, became president. president. This year, he decided not to support him because uh, he said George Weah didn't stick to the agreement that they, <laughs> they had. Now okay. he decided to back um, Joe Boakai. And now you saw actually what happened was that yeah. the current vice president of Liberia comes from the party of Prince Johnson. He handpicked mm-hmm. this guy to become Joe Boakai's deputy. So as a result, you saw Joe Bokai becoming the next president of Liberia. Wow, wow, what an insight, what an insight. What, it's always good to have you always, you know, to break down this. Now, let me take it closer to your country, Sierra Leone, that not only shares a border with Liberia, but also some common history, albeit not so good, the wars and all that. How much lessons are there to learn from leaders like George Weah? Despite his background, like you told us, uh, accepting defeat and handing over power peacefully. Lessons for the region. 
There is a saying. Oh, between, <laughs> there is a saying between Sierra Leone and Liberia is that whatever happens to Sierra Leone will happen to Liberia oh. or vice versa. Okay. You saw Ebola. You saw you saw the civil war. Mm-hmm. Everything so far. Every sort of out, outcome, calamity, whatever that happens in Liberia touches Sierra Leone. So the two nations actually do consider themselves as brother or sisters, mm-hmm. and they do share a lot. I've never been to Liberia without seeing a delegation from Sierra Leone, and I tell you, I've been to Liberia a lot to cover all the elections, mm-hmm. to actually cover a lot of events in Liberia. I follow the politics like I, f- I do follow any other politics across the world. So um, you actually see there's a lo- lot going on there. But what I can say in terms of my, my um, lessons that uh, Sir or the sub-region can learn from Liberia is that politics is not, it should not be a matter of do or die. Do or die, yeah. you know. It should not be a matter of death. If you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. Hand, you know, hand mm. back, like resign. As a leader, you've seen this happen in Sierra Leone, where current um, uh, the, the party in power mm. losing and then accepting and handing over power to, to the next party. And of course, if you do your homework, if you do your work right, you definitely have the chance of coming back to power. But if you start misbehaving like this, there's a possibility it might not work out. I think... George Ware would have had another opportunity to become another president again of Liberia if he had given it a second chance because there is no... Um, because the, the possibility of getting a new president in Liberia right now is very slim, apart from Joe Boca and, 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 and George Ware. So, but him resigning, so the next person in line in terms of becoming the next president will be the current vice president of Liberia, the for, current vice president to Joe Boca. Wow, we shall be following the story and always bring it to us. Thank you so much, Buba, for joining us. We'll appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, straight to your comments. Ken Burkai, who serves as the country's oldest president ever, changed Liberia's fortunes. Chris M. Jal Wood says, yes, he will. His record and love for country have given us the belief and hope a new Liberia is coming, not the one under F. Um, George Weah. Today we are all excited as we have gotten out Mr. Weah and his administration. And Daniel Bai says there will be no excuses for he must fulfill his campaign promises. And mm. Jack Hussein says yes, considering his age, years of professional experience and the fact that he will not seek re-election. And Johnson Nyeleka says we trust his abilities. That's why we voted for him. We pray and hope that he does better. Thank you so much for those comments. Remember, you can also keep them coming on our Facebook page, DW Africa. Just to remind you, you're tuned in to DW's Africa Link, coming to you live from our studios here in Bonn, Germany. I'm your host, Josie Mahachi. And I'm Isaac Mugabe. We appreciate everyone following us on our Facebook page, DW Africa. And this is what is coming up. Zambia is racing to curb fast-spreading cholera outbreak, which has caused more than 400 deaths and infected 10,000 people. In order for people to at least know the status of their loved ones, there is a daily register that is being uh, read to the people so that they know who is alive and who is not. That story coming up soon, but for now we have some hopeful news. Cameroon has become the first country to launch a program that will routinely give the World Health Organization approved RTS or mosquitic vaccine against malaria. Malaria is a mosquito-borne disease that kills tens of thousands of close to 4 million children affected in the Central African state each year. But as our correspondent reports, there was no affluence yet when officials launched the anti-malaria vaccine in the country's economical 
capital and seaside city Douala, which is one of the most affected towns. DW Smoky Edwin Kinzeka reports from Yaoundé in Cameroon. Le vaccin va s'administrer aux enfants qui ont an official of Cameroon's public health ministry calls on parents at Douala's regional hospital to make sure their six-month-old children receive the first doses of anti-malaria vaccines available in several government hospitals. The official says the second and third doses will be administered when children are seven and nine months and the fourth and last dose when children are 24 months old. Among the scores of people listening to the message is Ernestine Eka, a 40-year-old mother of three, who says she rushed with her five-month-old daughter to the hospital to be treated for a severe malaria attack. Eka says she has never heard anything about malaria vaccines. For now, I'm not very hot about the malaria vaccine because I don't know anything about it. I have not had any information about it. But to fight against malaria, I use treated mosquito nets and uh, clean my environment. Cameroon's health officials and the Global Fund to Fight Malaria launched the vaccination program in several towns and villages this Monday, saying that it will save lives and provide major relief to families who suffer the heavy burden of malaria. The World Health Organization reports that malaria is the most widespread endemic disease in Cameroon, with close to 4 million hospital reported cases each year from 2020 and absenteeism from school and work annually. 30 to 60 percent cases of consultations in hospitals across the country since January 2024 are malaria related. Oben Pamela, an official of Cameroon's expanded program for the fight against malaria, says besides the vaccines, there should be a constant use of treated mosquito bed nets and keeping surroundings clean. The role of the vaccine is to reduce morbidity and mortality. By morbidity, we're talking about the severity of this disease. The strategy for rolling out the malaria vaccine is a kind of approach which focuses on areas that have high incidence and also have high transmission in the country in particular. Cameroon hopes to vaccinate about 250,000 children this year. On November 21, 2023, Cameroon said it had received over 300,000 doses of vaccine from its partners to boost the fight against this disease, responsible for 70% of deaths among children. The World Health Organization warns that waiting six hours for treatment can mean death to a child sick with malaria. Thanks, Moki Kinzeka, for that report. And Olubio Nelson says, vibrant initiative. Thank you, Cameroon. And Suli Berinu says, God bless the scientists who've been working hard to the realization of those vaccines. It will go a long way in reducing maternal and infant's mortality in Cameroon and Africa as a whole. Mbuan King says, a much-needed vaccine. Hopefully, the number of deaths from malaria drops year on, and hopefully, a majority of the population get vaccinated by 2030. He adds, nice job, Global Vaccine Alliance. Consolan J also... Uh 
congratulates the president. He says, good move there, Mr. President Paul Beer. Thank you so much for those comments. Remember, you can keep them coming on our Facebook page, DW Africa. We now head to Zambia, where the country continues to fight cholera, which has claimed many lives since October 2023. The government faces a challenge in treating all infected people as some families in affected communities are hiding infected members at home because of fear of stigmatization, among other concerns. Well, Gloria Mushinge has been speaking with some health experts in Lusaka, Zambia, about ways in which this could be addressed and brings us the details in the following report. Zambia's efforts to combat cholera are being thwarted by several factors. They include resistance to accessing health care by some citizens in affected communities, mainly in the slums where some families are hiding infected members at home, resulting in occurrence of some avoidable deaths. This is partly due to reports that those whose relatives have been taken to the National Football Ground, the Hero Stadium, which has been turned into a mass treatment centre sheltered with tents, are not allowed to see them as they are isolated to avoid contraction or transmission, nor given any update about how they are faring, a situation that is causing anxiety among the relatives who don't know where their patients are. It is mainly fear of stigmatization, as Lusaka Mayor Chilando Chitangala observes, citing as one among many a case where a mother locked in three of her children at home who had diarrhea, and when she decided to take them to the clinic, one died upon arrival. The communities, when they hear that you've got diarrhea, they're all telling their friends you're going to the tents, and I think that's not a good thing. And when people hear you're going to the tents, they don't want to come to the, to the hospital. The perception that cholera has to do with being dirty or having poor sanitary conditions fuels the stigma, according to medical practitioner Francis Chisanga. Most people in those communities are afraid of being perceived as people who are dirty, as people who are not responsible when it comes to adhering to the guidelines that have been given in order to prevent this epidemic. To address that, awareness programs are now being created by the government, artists and community-based volunteers who are educating the masses through electronic media and door-to-door campaigns. To deal with concerns of families not able to access their sick relatives at the treatment center, a register has been introduced, which is read out to them daily, Chisanga explains. In order for people to at least know the status of their loved ones, there's a daily register that is being uh, read to the people so that they know who is alive and who is not. If someone dies, burial is arranged by government as families are not allowed to conduct funerals, nor attend burial in large numbers to prevent contamination, Chisanga adds. More needs to be integrated with existing interventions, says psychologist Henry Kazadi. He observes that most people think when one is taken to the hospital, the possibility is that they would not come back but die, hence the fear. Those that would have recovered and are still part and parcel of the community would help to enforce the notion to say you can actually recover once you take uh, a proactive measure. In addition to the ongoing verbal education, the creation and wide distribution of printed information packages designed to counter misinformation, inaccurate stereotypes and negative attitudes would arguably also help. Glory Mishinge with that report. Africa Link. Sport. Indeed, it's time for sport and Isaac, a mm. lot is happening with 
AFCON. A lot of surprises and expectations. Last night I was very, really wowed by Bafana Bafana of South Africa when they thrashed Namibia 4-0. I'm sure our colleague Okere Muchinado will not be happy with you when you go back to the newsroom <laughs> and kind. I reminded them to be, <laughs> to, to, to take you on, you know. But Zimbabwe is not playing in anyway. uh, 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 Who's talking about Zimbabwe? Well, we've, we've invited our colleague Mike Oti. He's a football commentator. He's an enthusiast of football. He's a man of all, what, seasons? Michael, first of all, you're welcome. Thank you very much, um, Isaac, and also um, Josie Mahachi. Okay, Michael, charity begins at home. I'll start with you. You come from Ghana, and already you're doing mathematics. If this <laughs> happens, if that doesn't happen, we shall qualify. Okay, the stakes are really high for you when you play Mozambique later today. Mm? Absolutely, um, Isaac. We absolutely, Ghana absolutely has to win this match um, if it if it wants any chance at all to qualify out of the group stage. And it's unfortunate that we have to do the mathematics at this point. <laughs> but that's exactly what has to happen. So let me give you some mathematics, all of you who are listening. Mm-hmm. So uh, Kevet is going to play against Egypt today. Ghana is also playing against uh, Mozambique. Now, if Kevet scores Egypt, Kevet goes on to nine points. They top the group. If Ghana wins against Mozambique, then Ghana gets four points. Then Ghana becomes second in the group. That is one way for Ghana to qualify. And one, the, I'd say the most hassle-free way <laughs> mm. at this point for Ghana to qualify. The other way Ghana is able to qualify, if it's one of the as it's called, the um, best four third-placed teams in all of the the 12 groups. So, And that's a bit more complicated because Ghana would have to be paired against all of the other Mm third-placed teams in the groups to see uh, which ones are the the four of the best in the third place position. And that's very tricky. Mm-hmm. I saw a comment on our Facebook page, uh, DW Africa, someone asking that we have four matches and being played simultaneously. Guinea-Bissau, Nigeria, same time as Equatorial Guinea, Ivory Coast, Mozambique, Ghana, same time as Cape Verde in Egypt. What's the reason? What's the reason behind that? Actually, um, Guinea-Bissau and um, Nigeria um, will be played at 6 o'clock, which is um, a few minutes from now. Mm-hmm. And then the Ghana uh, versus um, Mozambique, Kvet versus um, Egypt game will be played at 2100 hours. That's, so that's 9 p.m. And the reason for fixing these matches at the same time, 6 o'clock and 9 p.m., is to prevent um, influence. Because at this stage in the competition, uh, the results of one game could influence um, the outcome of another. So you want to make it such that all of the teams are playing at the same time, mm-hmm. such that um, there isn't any form of collusion or one team doesn't uh, allow the other to qualify because they no longer need to win. For instance, hypothetically, mm. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but Kevet is already top of the yes, group. Yes, that's what I was coming to. <laughs> yes, Kevet is already top of the Ghana group. Um, it's already qualified. It yeah. does not need the win. Mm. Um, against Egypt. Oh, you start. know. So, but <laughs> Ghana, does, you understand. Yes. So that's that's the reason. Let's put it this way: the fastest way for uh, for Ghana to be kicked out is Egypt is going to beat Cape Verde. Absolutely. Are you guys seeing it? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a likelihood, but but there is also that, as I said, the chance to to qualify as one of the uh, best performing third place teams. Okay, Ma- Michael, mm. you are from Ghana. Mm. Your prediction. 
Ghana is going to win against Mozambique. Three goals to nil. Hey. Okay. Well, Michael, okay. before we switch gears to other teams, one more on Ghana. I know the keyboard warriors. I call them that way. The keyboard warriors. Yes. So you, you know what I mean. <laughs> social social media people on 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 Facebook, yes. on Twitter, which is now X, mm. are already condemning the team, saying it is. You know, I don't want to use you know the words they're using, but they're not happy with the team and the coach. And I think if Ghana is beaten, is kicked out, there'll be a total overhaul of everything. Is that what you see? Oh, um, it's um, it's a it's a watershed moment for the Ghana team. Um, this tournament, if they are unable to qualify out of the group stage, it will mm. be the second successive tournament that Ghana has been has not been able to qualify out of the group stage. And that certainly, as some would say, it's going to have a big repercussion. Heads will roll, as they say. Um, the team is not in its best shape at the moment. And if they go out and not win, not qualify out of the group stages, it's going to be bad. Well, let's go to their neighbours, Nigeria, the Spy Eagles. You've shown enemies in everything, from Jollof Wars to football and everything. <laughs> I so, wish they could play together. <laughs> so, Michael, tell us the stakes for the Nigeria Super, Super Eagles. Well, Nigeria is in a slightly better position than, than Ghana. Uh, they are going against Guinea-Bissau. By the way, Guinea-Bissau has already failed to qualify because they have already lost uh, both of their opening games. So they have no chance mm. um, of qualifying. But they could also spoil the party for Nigeria. Nigeria is in a precarious situation. They are um, on the same points as Equatorial Guinea. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need that win. They're also in the same group as Ivory Coast. Now, Ivory Coast is also playing against Equatorial Guinea. If mm. Ivory Coast wins... Um, and Equatorial Guinea wins against, um, sorry, if Ivory Coast wins and uh, Nigeria loses, then Nigeria doesn't qualify. Okay, so both Nigeria and Ghana exactly. will, will be out. Exactly. The so it's, it's, a, it's, a, out. it's a precarious situation <laughs> for Nigeria as well. Then we you guys go and eat jollof rice. We, we can't end without mentioning Tanzania. I'm sure Asum Talatus will be happy or angry about it, but they should be happy because they drew with Zambia yesterday. Michael, very quickly, your thoughts on that game? Well, the Tanzanian team has had a lot of challenges, as we've seen uh, with their coach being being kicked out after the first game. Mm. Um, but but they managed a very stellar performance against Zambia, uh, being able to draw one uh, one. But they are they are struggling, and I I don't see how they are able to go further in this tournament. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. My name is Isaac Mugabe. Until tomorrow, same time. Bye. And I'm Josie Mahachi. Until tomorrow, take care. DW Mid. For minds.